Actually, it is crazy. I'm so thankful for this community. I'm blown away. Uh, it's been it's been a journey of mine and Lorna's to come into the community and become um, part of Newburg, part of this church. And uh, I feel like today, when what he was talking about that they started praying over me, it, I, I haven't received that many prophetic words in a, in one day in a long time. It, it's I think a lot of people were worried about me teaching today. They were like, all right, let's prophesy over that guy. <laughs> he looks stressed. <laughs> but no, it's not because of that. I'm, I'm okay. Don't worry. Well, do pray in Jesus' name. Um, before I start, I, I wanted to uh, read. I feel like there's a season, as you know me, I, I'm always like looking into what the Lord is doing. And I feel like it's a, totally a season if you didn't get it. I, I mean, you don't have to be prophetic to get it because everyone's saying it. But it is a season of, of the fathers, right? And it's a, a season of Malachi 4, 5, where it says that, And I shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children, and the heart of the children to their fathers. And I just, I just want to highlight that, because that's the, that's the season that is taking place right now in my heart, too. I, I'm becoming a dad soon. Yes. So uh, everything that's around me right now, it's pointing to that. And it, everything is becoming super prophetic into that. So it's like... I don't know, I see a bird and I see, oh God, are you calling me into the skies to see my child? What are you calling me to see? Uh, I mean, obviously that's not true, but, uh, <laughs> but it is like my spirit is just journeying to be a dad, be a father. And I feel like the church is being called to be fathers of each other. We're called to actually start leading each other like a father and a mother would. Um, so before um, I move on, I, want, I got a story from uh, one of my friends that uh, 10 years ago, uh, I started this meeting, this prayer group meeting, uh, in my co uh, college room. Um, yeah, I had a room. And, um, <laughs> yeah, it was weird. But I invited my friends, two friends, they were the only ones that came, to pray uh, and for the country because there was a lot of violence in Mexico. There's still violence in Mexico. I don't know if you've seen the news, but uh, we were praying for, for that, to, to peace to come. And uh, one of my friends knew what we were doing. Like, he actually believed in prayer. He believed in uh, God moving and doing a, a, amazing things. And the other one, she, uh, she was new to all of that. So she wasn't used to it. She wasn't used to the fact that you could pray and see things actually happen. So it was more like a, I pray and I wish that one day something will happen, right? So we were actually calling and praying with authority. And uh, she texted me uh, on Friday, and she told me, hey, I just wanted to let you know, because you've been like a spiritual dad to me, uh, that I just assisted, like I was just at a funeral for, for a friend's dad. And I approached the, my friend, and I asked him if I could pray for his, her, his dad to be raised from the dead. And I was like, wow, okay. <laughs> and, and she said, well, I just went and went for it, and it didn't happen, so it was very awkward. But... Uh, <laughs> But she said, I wanted to let you know because I felt like, I, like I'm finally stepping out of my comfort zone. I'm like, I'll say. <laughs> Jeez, I haven't done that yet, and you're already doing that. Uh, so I just felt like, wow, something that 10 years ago, and Donnie of 22-year-olds, like not ready for anything. He was, I was just teaching of whatever I could grab from the Bible, and I was like, well, uh, heal the sick, raise the dead, and that, that was it. That was my sermon. That, there you go. You had it. And, uh, and she actually took it. <laughs> Seriously, and she went for it. So I was just wanted to encourage you. What you're doing right now has echoing to eternity, and you will see the fruits of what you're planting later on because the seeds are going to start giving fruit. So anyway, that was that story I wanted to frame this whole thing in. 
um, Alex asked me to speak on this section of Acts. If, um, we have this whole uh, series that we've started, which is pretty awesome because a lot I see like a lot of different churches also talking about Acts, and it's pretty weird and pretty uh, pretty exciting. And Alex gave me this verse, which um, it's Acts 1, 12 to 25. I, I, I'm blaming everything on him because it was a very weird verse to choose. Uh, and I actually told him one day, I, I was like, hey, man, uh, like that verse. <laughs> it's going to be fun. I, I, I don't have anything. What, what, what's up with that? And he was like, oh, we'll work it out. Don't worry. And, and I was like, oh, thank God. Thank you. You got to help me out. But thankfully, something happened. Like I actually started uh, getting a download from the Lord at 5 a.m. in the morning when I was going to the bathroom. Uh, <laughs> I didn't go to, I wasn't praying or anything. I was literally, I stood up in the, in the middle of the night, and suddenly I started getting all these, like, uh, ideas about the verse. And I was like, this is crazy because I was just sleeping, right? And I was not planning to go into my uh, closet or anything like that, very holy. I was just going to the bathroom. But, so, if you can open your Bibles in Acts 12, Acts 1, 12, sorry. We're going to read it together. If you're already there. You're there? Yeah? Okay. So here we go. Then the apostles returned to Jerusalem from the hill called Mount of Olives, a Sabbath day walk from the city. When they arrived, they went upstairs to the room where they were staying, the upper room. Uh, those present were Peter, John, James, and Andrew, Philip, and Thomas, Bartholomew, and Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus, and Simon, and Z the Zealot, and Judas, son of James. They all joined together constantly in prayer, along with the women, and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. In those days, Peter stood up among the believers, a group numbering about 120, and said, Brothers and sisters, the scripture had to be fulfilled in which the Holy Spirit spoke along ago through David concerning Judas, who served as a guide for those who arrested Jesus. He was one of our number and shared in our ministry. So basically, Peter noticed a problem. Their leadership was incomplete, and one of them messed up. I mean, Judas really messed up, right? And uh, he addressed the situation flat out. He did not dress it up. You're about to see a very graphic, uh, well, read a graphic description of what happened. So with the payment, in 18, with the payment he received for his wickedness, Judas bought a field. There he fell headlong, his body burst open, and all his intestines spilled out. Everyone in Jerusalem heard about this, so they called that field in their language, Akeldama. That is field of lot. For, said Peter, it is written in the book of Psalms, may his place be deserted, let there be no one to dwell in it, and may another take his place of leadership. Therefore, it is necessary to those one of the men who have been with us the whole time the Lord Jesus was living among us, beginning from John's baptism to the time when Jesus was taken up from us, for one of these must become a witness with us of his resurrection. Right there, he established a filter, by the way, for who that leader should be. He had to fulfill the parameters, and the parameters were this is the timeline where this person could be. The same culture they had been raised in, right? They, he wanted to maintain the culture that Jesus had uh, established. So they nominated two men. Joseph, called Barsabbas, also known as Justice, and Matthias. Then they prepared, Lord, you know everyone's heart. Show us which of these two you have chosen to take over this apostolic ministry, which Judas left to go where he belongs. 
Then they cast lots, and the lot fell to Matthias. So he was added to the 11 apostles. Now, you might think this is kind of a practical, even more like a bureaucratic uh, moment, but I believe that there is more to this than just changing the leadership. Uh, why not leave it at 11? Uh, why make it so official? Uh, why, is this, why is this the next, like, the next thing that happens in the text? Because remember, there were no chapters, division chapters. The next thing that happens is Acts 2, 1, which is the great outpouring of the Holy Spirit. So um, to answer all of these questions, in that morning of uh, encounter with the Lord and my bladder, uh, it, like, I had to, like, Jesus was giving me like, a, a revelation of like, if we see it from the view of the disciples, this is a very, very important moment. If you see it from the point of view that we just read it, which is in between where Jesus left and the Holy Spirit, you just read through it, and you're like, well, this is just a, a, a bureaucratic moment, and you don't really see that, the importance of it. So, um, during three years of following Jesus, let's just imagine that you're a disciple, and you're going through this whole process, right? So, in, during three years, you're following Jesus, and you're seeing amazing things. You're seeing uh, the lame walk, people getting healed, uh, people being raised from the dead, uh, the whole Jerusalem laying palms on his feet. Uh, this all looked like uh, the earthly kingdom was coming, like thousands were following them. They naturally, as Alex mentioned last Sunday, they thought, well, the next step is we're, we're taking Rome, right? This is what is going to happen. And uh, funny, we tend to think that the solution to our problems is the change of the government. Well, anyone? Uh, but... Then Jesus gets arrested and crucified, and their whole idea of like, hey, we're going to be part of this government falls apart. They all run and hide until Jesus is seen again. He's back, and instead of confronting them, he, uh, his, his early aggressors, like his earthly aggressors, uh, he leaves and tells them to wait in Jerusalem for the Holy Spirit. Uh, this is just the idea. As Jacob was just mentioning, if you imagine that in a superhero movie, when you, in the middle of the movie, they have to make it interesting, so the, the bad guy actually kind of defeats the superhero, like he comes and it looks like he's going to win. Well, if we imagine that Jesus is kind of like a superhero, which he's not, as Jacob just explained, uh, it's this moment of he gets crucified, right, because the enemy looks like he's going to win. And then he comes back, resurrected, and everyone's like excited, yeah, the superhero is back, but then the superhero is like, which is in this case Jesus, which is not going to act like a superhero. He's going to say, hey, actually, I defeated everyone. Like, I defeated the enemy in the spiritual realm, taking care of, you're welcome. But now you got to take care of the earthly situation. And then he's out. <laughs> so it's like kind of incomplete. Like, not completely. Like, he completed. Yes, he's done. The work is done. But he left, leaves some work to us, to his disciples, right? Uh, because, the, I mean, the job continues. He actually tells uh, the, the, the disciples in Acts 1-7, he, he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, because they were asking him, when are we going to rule? But you will receive the power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Jesus clearly gives the early community and the communities of believers, a mission. There it is, right there. There's the mission, a reason to be together. And to this day, that's still the mission, right? Now that we have this background, now that we understand what the upper room feels like, it feels like a low moment. It feels like 
there's only 120 from the multitudes that you've seen before with them when you were in the ministry with Jesus. And these were the last faithful ones, the ones that were actually doing what he asked, wait in Jerusalem for the Holy Spirit. And then there's a problem. Their leadership has a problem. One of their members basically betrayed Jesus. He, be he totally betrayed Jesus. And Peter, instead of hiding it, even though that, the, even though that he also did that, oops, uh, he's leading to fix the mess that they have in their community, the mess that Judas created. Peter can lead because he repented of his mistake. Judas took uh, justice on his own hand. So um, I will explain this later, of course. I, I'll go down into it. But the truth is that Peter took on the part, the part of what he had failed because he denied Jesus three times. And he said, okay, since I came to the Father, I came to Jesus, I'm going to take and establish what Jesus started, Right? So he leads to establishing their leadership, and he sets a filter. Not anyone can be the substitute. It's not by vote, because they actually cast lots. So it's kind of like throwing dice. It's by character and being, and being with Jesus and then by casting lots. A popular contest actually got Jesus killed, just to mention that. So um, they decided it's better to throw the dice. I believe this whole process prepared the way for the outpouring that comes next. That's why it's important. That's what I got in the morning at 5 a.m. This whole process that Peter started set up the path for the Holy Spirit to come down into that community. Why? Because he actually, like, you see, leadership actually mattered. The authority that they had had to be sustained and maintained with the same culture that Jesus had established from the beginning. The mission to disciple the nations with what? With power and authority. Because uh, as we see, the outpouring of the Spirit was going about to come. So, okay. So why does this matter? Uh, in that morning that I had a lot of ideas, what I saw in this passage is that Peter understood everything. See, when Jesus in his, was in his, in his ministry, he was shaping and leading the twelve. And he was shaping like the Father. He was being shaped himself because he would say, I'm not doing anything like... Anything that the Father does, I'm going to do it as well. So Jesus was leading in a fatherly way. I believe that we're in a point of time, as I mentioned at the beginning, that we are, it is crucial for the church to start raising leaders, fathers for our generations. As I mentioned, there's several leaders in different churches that are pointing to this. And I feel like in San Siro, this little, little church, this, uh, this church plan that we just started, we are part of that stream. We're part of that Hey, Jesus is about to do something big, and we get, uh, we get to be ready. The expectation is that he is ready to give us his outpouring, give us his Holy Spirit, and it's already paid for. So how are we going to do that? For that to happen, I believe that we have a key in this passage. Before the Spirit would come with power, Peter did what Jesus asked him to do, take care of my sheep. I believe that if we are to see this revival, we need leaders to be raised in our society, leaders with authority, fathers and mothers. This, uh, this passage is about the importance of authority and not in a way of manipulation or fear, but rather of family where the father is leading, where the father and the mother are leading. The way that the kingdom relates to authority is like a family. So let's see John 5, 17, if you guys can go to that. Because here's where Jesus explains authority. Now, 
Now, um, to give you a little bit of context of what happened in here, Jesus is being scolded by the um, Pharisees. And so we're going to pick up where Jesus explained thing, why he's doing things on the Sabbath. So in 16 it says, So because Jesus was doing these things on the Sabbath, the Jewish leaders began to persecute him. They were annoyed that he was breaking the rules. In his defense, Jesus said to them, My father is always at his work to his very day, and I too am working. For this reason, they tried all the more to kill him. Not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. Jesus gave them this answer. Very truly, I tell you, the son can do nothing by himself. He can do only what he sees his father doing, because whatever the father does, the son also does. For the father loves the son and shows him all he does. Yes, and he will show him even greater works than these, so that we will be amazed. you will be amazed. For just as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, even so the Son gives life to whom he is pleased to give it. Moreover, the Father judges no one, but has entrusted all judgment to the Son, that all may honor the Son just as they honor the Father. Whoever does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. The kingdom of God moves on authority. Jesus would explain his miracles by explaining his authority was given by the Father. Right? So what I'm pointing out right now is that Jesus was moving into always seeing what the Father was doing. And then what, would he, what was he teaching the disciples to do? Do what I'm doing. Follow me. Right? He only did what his Father said. So he, had to, so he only did what he saw the Father doing, so he had to see the Father doing it first. So he was always looking ahead of someone that was ahead of himself. Like Jesus was seeing where he's going. That, is that pointing to what Peter is doing? He saw the Father restoring leadership in his community. See, Peter is understanding that in order the power that is to come, their authority needs to be ready. Authority, authority releases power and leadership sustains it. It was important for the leadership to be complete to sustain the power that was going to be given. Um, I know that our generation, and if you notice right now, we, we tend to have a problem with authority. We, we don't like it. It's kind of awkward right now because, I mean, there's a lot of things going on out there in the world, and, cannot, and they cannot be ignored because authority was abused, right? But basically, Jesus is giving us an, an example. Jesus taught these guys in a fatherly way. I believe that we're in a, like, we, it's an, it's an invitation that Peter brought into the community of, hey, let's restore what Jesus had already established, bringing the fathers again, restoring the leadership that they were doing, and not hiding it, not hiding the mess that it was being done. And he sent us on a mission. And in order to fulfill the mission, you, there needs to be submission. Submission to the mission, Right? We know it's true for the army. We know it's true for work. Like, you obey your boss. Even for the gym. Like, have you ever exercised with a personal trainer? It's way harder. <laughs> he makes you work because there's accountability. There's actually someone that's give, telling you what to do. Uh, the other day, I worked out with Lorna. She's seven months pregnant. And just by having someone next to me, she makes me sweat way more than <laughs> when I do it by myself. And she's pregnant. So... It's normal to do it better when you have someone to do it with. 
That's accountability. I'm not teaching this because I or Alex, we need people to submit, and uh, there was like some problem that we need to align. But I'm actually wanting this community to be a healthy community where we are raising leaders and we are also following those leaders. And I'm not, I, I'm not talking like you need to follow the guys over there. I'm talking like there's leaders here that need to take the place that you've been called to. A community with power has a responsibility, and its responsibility is to steward that power and grow each other. We can't have a community that only goes superficially, but a community that sharpens each other, going deep with one another. I'm so thankful for the community that I have right now. Like that, What happened on that room before we came out here, it was just people sharpening me. And it's, if I do it by myself, I would be a mess. What did Judas do in the, in when he betrayed Jesus? He did it by himself. He completely isolated himself from the community. And then he made a huge mess. But what did Peter do? Peter did the same mess. He, he did it three times. He betrayed Jesus three times. But he ran back to Jesus to clean up his mess. I believe that everyone here is to lead. And everyone here is to follow someone. So who are you following? And who are you leading? So we're going to look at healthy leadership. Going back to the passage, we see that a big portion of this is about Judas. Judas making a mess. Uh, he betrayed uh, Jesus. I can totally see in this moment of the passage, the naysayers, when Peter stands up and says, hey, guys, we need to fix the leadership because of what Judas did, Right? I can totally say people, see people saying, hey, you actually did the same thing. Why are you in the front? Why are you leading us in this situation? Isn't that what keeps us so many of us from leading? We feel like we're falling short. Jesus is calling us for a purpose, and all of, all of you here have a purpose in this, mission, in this mission. Even when I was preparing this message, I was feeling disqualified because I'm not perfect. Like, have you heard my accent? It's pretty bad. So, <laughs> The good thing is that I didn't choose the message. I just obeyed and stewarded what I was given. Like, I, like I, Alex said, hey, here's the passage. And I said, all right, here we go. Okay, let's see how it goes. And now if a leader makes a mess, how does he clean it up? Right? Because we see Judas being a leader. He wasn't just like the bad guy that everyone knew. Oh, he's the one that's going to screw up. Totally see it far a mile away. No, like he probably was doing exactly the same thing that everyone was doing of the disciples because they didn't know. They were asking, who is going to betray you, Jesus? When Jesus said, Some, one of you is going to betray me, they didn't know who he was. So Judas was acting the same as everyone else. He was healing the sick. It wasn't like he was the one that no one noticed. Like, oh, yeah, he, when people come to the front, like he's lying, no one gets healed. No, like <laughs> he was good. <laughs> So in, in this case, if Judas betraying Jesus, if he had repented, he wouldn't have been put back into leadership right away. I mean, not in my church, but uh, for a long time because trust was broken, right? So forgiveness was given, but it could be given very quickly if, if the right attitude is, is come and he comes to the front and he says, hey, I'm, I'm sorry I did this. I would say, okay, but since we are in a very 
like in that time, if you imagine, we were in the Roman time where we're like hiding, and it's like underground church, and and we have Judas wanting to come back to the church. It's like awkward because, man, uh, you did betray God. So uh, you will have to rebuild the trust so that you can come back. And that's going to take a few years at least in my mind, like 15 or 30. Uh, <laughs> him rebuilding all that trust that he lost. So since this whole message is to empower you to be a leader, you, what is the culture that a leader would create, should create? We we want an environment where freedom exists, right? Since love needs freedom. You can't force someone to love. Therefore, in an environment, in a healthy environment, we need freedom to exist so that you can actually have love flourish, not in a controlling environment. And to create this environment, we need to avoid making a person feeling controlled, right? Since it's something that scares people when you control. So I'm teaching you what not to do as a leader. There we go. So if you want to take notes, there's our, this, this is a good moment for that one. Uh, feeling controlled is not a good thing to make people feel. Uh, feeling rejected, that's the same thing. People go to great extents to feel accepted. So it's, it's a fear of being alone. So they, they don't want to feel rejected. Feeling invalidated, someone doesn't want to feel invalidated. So what are you, as a leader, what are you going to do? The opposite, you're going, to, you're going to validate, you're going to make them feel accepted. Feeling powerless, that's also something that a, a leader shouldn't like, make someone feel. Why am I saying this? I, right now I'm a manager in, 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 in an organization, and sometimes you want to lead. I got 12 people, and some of them are older than me, so they, don't, they have a hard time following what I say. They, they, they don't really trust me sometimes. Now they do, uh, after two months. But the point is, when, 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 when I want them to do something, I'm very tempted to, to want to instill fear. I want to control them because I want them to do what I say, right? I want it done. But more like, like when I try to do that, I just create anxiety. I just create no one's performing well. Everyone's like grouchy, and I made those mistakes. So what, what is the tendency that we, as a leaders, what we want to do? We want to move away from that. And it's like, hey, I'll give you the option. Do you want to do well? This is the option. You go and do what I'm establishing here. And if not, hey, there's the freedom to make bad choices. Because the gospel is not about control. God is not interested in controlling people. That's why he always gives us options. Sometimes leaders, we try to remove the poor choices for, for people to create the perfect place. Jesus didn't do it. He didn't remove the poor choice for Judas. He left it there. There it is. You can betray me. To create the perfect, like, we try to remove the, the, the poor choices for people to create the perfect place. But it's not a perfect place if you don't have poor choices available. Not even in heaven. Heaven had poor choices. They, they made the poor choices. Satan made a wrong choice, Lucifer. He actually chose to leave heaven. See, the garden in Genesis had poor choices available. There were the trees in the middle of the garden, not in a mountain, not like surrounded by spines or like warlocks or I don't know why warlocks, but angels or something. <laughs> so we're creating, as leaders, we're to create a safe place of validation, connection, empowerment, and feedback. Freedom doesn't happen without it. So 
what I'm seeing here is that God feels good leadership structures. In Saints Hill, we have made point, a point of establishing a culture like this. See, um, Alex and I, we, we came up with, uh, Alex wanted to change pre-gathering prayer. He really wanted to do something different, he, and he gave it to me. <laughs> and uh, he wanted me to try something different. So what I did is I put a lot of my own passion and uh, Latino blood, uh, like, thing, and I tried to, as Alex, uh, Jake explained, I'm very passionate. So what, what, what looked like, for me, a loud Latino meeting where everyone's shouting and praying, it looked like a mess to Alex. And it was scaring a lot of people because not everyone's uh, my color of skin. So <laughs> everyone was confused of what I was doing, and he confronted me. So he set up a meeting, and he was, hey, Andoni, there's a problem. Oh, and Jake was there. It was very awkward for him. Uh, <laughs> it was in a good Starbucks, and, and he's like, hey, man, and, and uh, he, like Alex, I love him. He was like trying to be as loving and like, hey, how about pre-gathering, what do you think? And I'm like, oh, it's going amazing. My mind, everything's going well. And he's like, it's a mess. Like it's scaring everyone. What, what are you doing? But he's not saying it. He's like being very careful. And, I, and, and, and then I go, wait, what's the problem? Because I'm very like straightforward. Like tell me what's the problem so I can fix it very, very fast. And, <laughs> and he goes, well, you're scaring everyone. <laughs> So I, I was like, oh, I hadn't noticed. And, uh, and I said, okay, give me two Sundays, and I'll change it up. And he said, okay, you have two Sundays. Uh, change it up. And if not, I'll take it over. And you know, I was like, okay, fine. And uh, in two Sundays, I shifted completely. I just said, okay, I'm going to explain exactly what we're doing. I'm going to ask the Lord to actually give me something for St. Hill that it's unique to this place. And we actually came up with something that is completely, I hadn't seen anywhere else in, in a pregnant prayer. And it was the fruit of coming under the leadership of Alex and not getting offended that my culture was not being seen, you know? It was, it was the moment that I decided, okay, I want to come under whatever he's already saying, his vision. And by aligning my vision, actually I received the fruit. Like so, more, so many times we, we rather get offended at the leader because we're like, oh, you don't understand me. You, you don't see that we are, the Latino power is really good and you're not getting it. See, when I came under that submission, it actually equaled authority. It actually gave fruit of answered prayers, which was the answered prayers was the people that were actually encountering God and not encountering my shouting, right? And me trying to make them do circles. And yeah, you can, you can ask people about that. It was pretty weird. Um, now I don't like it. But so... A good example of this, when Paul comes into the early church, he comes in and no one trusts him because he's Paul and he has persecuted the church for a long time. So it's like, well, the henchman is now in the part of the congregation and he wants, part, be part of the, he wants to serve. And, and it's awkward because it's like, I don't want to let the henchman that has been killing people and like gathering the church and persecuting everyone to come in and be part of the prayer line. What are we going to do with that guy? He's going to scare everyone, right? So what do they do? They give the leadership meets and say, okay, Paul, you can come to our church, but you're going to be under Barnabas, and you're going to stay away from us for a little while until Barnabas says that it's okay. So as you read in Acts 12, 25, actually, it mentions that Barnabas comes first. It's like Barnabas and Paul. And then 13.2, it's Barnabas and Paul. And then 13.7, it's Barnabas and Paul. But then finally, 
until 1313, Paul is mentioned as Paul and his companions. And it's when the Holy Spirit comes on the, like, over Paul. And I just feel like that when he was, okay, I'm going to come under this person. I need to be under Barnabas. I'm not going to be offended that they don't trust me. He was like, I'm, I will align to whatever they already said. Actually, the Holy Spirit came over Paul. And then you see every other verse, it's Paul and Barnabas. He becomes the leader. It's a time of day right now that we need Barnabas in our church. We need people to start investing in each other. We need the, the fathers and mothers to be raised here. Um, just like Peter saw the, the opportunity of like, hey, we need actually to have our whole leadership complete. We can't have it faulty. We have to have it under so that everyone can come under it and they can see who they can, come, who they can be fathered by. I want to give you a few practical ways, takeaways from this whole thing. Um, so, as a follower, we can go there. Um, I don't know if you guys can find it over there, Jake. So, is it there? No? Okay, as a follower, set up in your heart the mission that the Lord has called to, you to be under. Judge the fruit of the leader that you're following. Allow the leader to cut, you, cut, to cut and help you grow. So, so many times we, we, we don't want to give the leader the opportunity to actually speak into us. And it doesn't have to be the leader that's on the stage right now. So don't like all come to me and want me to be father or Alex or it's not me. It's actually who is leading you that's around you and doing the day to day with you. Like yesterday I was with my friends. Uh, uh, was and, and, and Austin. And they spoke to my life. And it's not like they're not like in conferences, and they're not famous, but they are actually so ingrained in my community that they know how to speak into my heart, and they cut deep, and they sharpen me. And that's what we need. We need to be leading each other, right? So as a follower, let that happen. And as a leader, know where you're going. Have a vision. Make sure that you're investing in the people around you, that you're accountable. And if you notice, that, if, if you notice there's a tension here, where I'm saying, like, follow people, but also, like, put weight to who is it that they are actually following. Look at their fruit, right? You know, you, I'm not saying that every voice, actually the loudest voices, normally don't have any fruit. I want to uh, do an exercise just quickly before we finish. Anyone that uh, is actually a father or a mother, can you guys stand? If you're a father and a mother, just stand, please. Oh, Lorna's standing. So cute. <laughs> See, um, everyone else? <laughs> These guys, uh, they have a mission that they gave their life to a, a, like, to a person. And they've poured in their life and their heart. So if we we're to see and look for an example, these are the people that you're looking, you should look at. So um, I would like everyone else to... Stretch your hand and pray that their authority grows and their leadership is extended way more. Father, we declare right now that this church is going to honor the fathers and the mothers that are amongst us. That we see their authority just extending and expanding. That they will have a voice to us. That we will submit our hearts to them and we will honor what they're saying in Jesus' name.
We ask that you bless their marriage, that you bless their relationships, and that you bless whatever they're planting, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. I hope all, this all made sense. This was a very practical passage, and I can summarize it like this. Here it goes. This is my summary. If you didn't pay attention, you slept the whole thing. Here's the, the summary, and you can totally talk to your friends about it. So, leadership is crucial for a healthy community. We're called to lead and follow, to father and be fathered, and mother or, or mother. Uh, leadership is called to clean up messes, not hide them. To follow someone where to establish boundaries or filters, look at their fruit. It's like you're not going to do business with someone that has no success in business unless you're very, very, like, have a lot of faith on it. And no, not even then. Uh, like, really follow people. Look at their fruit. What do they have? More importantly, we're to follow the mission that Jesus called us all to do, to disciple the nations. So we are actually called to father the nations. So you are called to have influence. You are called to lead and to look around you and see who you're supposed to be leading. Uh, we have a video, I think, that uh, I wanted to show that actually happened. You probably already saw this. This was in Oregon. That's a coach. He's taking away the gun of the shooter. He's handing it to the other teacher, and he's just hugging the one that was supposed to be the shooter. He's hugging the student. My, when I saw this, my heart was breaking. It's, this is what we're supposed to be doing towards this society. This society needs fathers, needs leaders. It's yearning to actually find that connection. We're the, we're the generation with, that has the least, like the most fatherless children. Like we have so many people raised without fathers or mothers. Like there are a lot of them. Uh, there's another video. You can lower the volume. Uh, I got this video. You can barely see them. You barely see them. Uh, these are my parents. They're dancing. And uh, I got this video today in the morning. I'm 32 years old. And, and I saw this video and it just broke my heart because it's like I need to see my parents do well. I need to see the example that they have. I need to follow someone's example. And when I saw that, it's like you gave me hope. And I'm 30 years old and I'm still inspired by what they do in their marriage. So that's, that's what I wanted to talk to you guys about. Just let's get our hearts in a, in a position where we can actually be fathered. And we can father the people that are around us. All right. That's it. Love you.